like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, is the fantabulous Corey Starr. Hello, hello. This nickname is, of course, in honor of the film that we will be reviewing as we continue with the month of June 2020 um, theme of The Truth is Out There. As, uh, documentaries is our focus for the month of June. And I picked for this week's episode the Amazing Jonathan documentary uh, from 2019. Um, it's on Hulu. Uh we are going to get into this very unique documentary and our thoughts on it in a little bit. But first, we like to check in with each other and talk about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded Movie Club. So, Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm glad the week is over. Hallelujah. Didn't think I was going to make it. Here we are. It has been a busy week. Um, and I am tired. <laughs> uh, it is. We, we're filming. We're filming. We're recording later than usual. Um, because I have to, uh, pick up my wife from work and that's just how it goes. And, um, this week, I, my, my time has been kind of hard to separate since the lockdown started and at the end of March. Um, but right now I'm on summer vacation, so I have a lot less to do. And so it's really giving me like, like, I have no idea what day it is type vibes at time. And, uh, losing track of time is like, I just realized I forgot to do something today and now I'm really mad. Um, like it literally just clicked in my head what I forgot to do and it was important. Um, so like the, it's driving me nuts cause I keep skipping things and I'm like, I keep, I'm still doing my to-do list. I'm not doing a calendar. Maybe I need to keep doing that. Um, and checking it, but, uh, I have watched a lot of movies this week. Um, I've played a lot of video games. Uh, I've, I've, um, you know, I'm not doing enough, I know I'm not doing enough uh, to incite change, but I'm still, I'm very freaked out about the virus, which we were talking about off mic, um, kind of off mic. I mean, we're always on a mic because we're not in the same room, but you know, not recorded mic. And uh, I really, I really do want to do more. So I, I'm being a little more vocal on social media um, maybe. And that always stresses me out too. So like there's that anxiety and cause I don't, I don't want to divide. I want to unify. I want the country to become stronger and, and our people to actually be able to like, you know, not hate each other, like, and have conversations. And, uh, I want everybody to be able to be treated. Like I, I believe all humans should be treated, you know, equally and fairly and given the same opportunities as anybody, regardless of their race or, um, sexuality or whatever. And it just seems like that's, it seems like we're going in the opposite direction mm -hmm. with the people in power. And that's scary to me. And um, this is not a political podcast. However, we are in a time where it is impossible to not be political. I just realized, sorry to be ADD for a second, but I, I was rubbing my leg and I'm still kind of in awe of my own like body change over the last year. And my leg is so much smaller than it used to be. And it threw <laughs> me off for a second. Um, I was like, wow, that's, that's very uh, especially cause I'm running. I think my legs are like shaping up differently. Um, so yeah, my, I'm all over the place right now, folks. I, I apologize. Uh, this is actually how my brain works. I usually control it better on the podcast. It's, it's not happening right now. Um, how are you doing, Corey? 
I think we already did that, didn't we? We did. So we're both doing okay. I'm clearly losing it. We're going to get into what we've been watching because I've seen a lot of movies and a lot of these make me very happy. And I think they also will tie back into that political conversation. So, Corey, you want to start? Uh, what have you been watching since uh, the last time we recorded last Friday? Oh, my gosh. Um, I figured you would go first. Uh, oh. Not a lot. I've been spending my time other ways. Um, so, but I started watching that movie Shirley about Shirley Jackson. God, I need to watch that. With That's Elizabeth the, the Moss. Moss. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, is it Michael Stahlberg? Is it Stahlberg? Mm. I like him. Um, I like him a lot. I just think he's great. Um, yeah. So it's not like a straightforward biopic. It's really weird. Um, I only have like 30 more minutes of that to go. Uh, I just, I felt like it was a lot to process. I kind of did want something straightforward, you know, cause I've read a couple of her books this year. Oh, um, right. and I just kind of wanted to really learn more about her, I guess. And Elizabeth Moss is amazing. So, you know, um, yeah. And then I watched our documentary and I'm still watching, uh, um, words. So watching nightmare next door and I need to, okay. So I need to stop like having screen time. I think even for like movies or like even just the TV for at least an hour before bed, because Ooh. I'm getting really my anxiety guys. I have bad anxiety. Usually I can keep it under wraps and deal, but, um, and I also have insomnia. So those two things are just really bad together. Um, and I watched one episode of that the other day, and if you know me at all or have listened to, like, one episode of this uh, podcast, you know that I really love cats. Dogs are great, but I'm a cat lady. And at the end of the episode, they say that this guy that is just an awful person did all these awful things to this woman also fed her cat to his pet pie, uh not i don't think it's a python i don't know now that i'm spoken it's it's some large large snake he fed her cat alive to the snake they couldn't find her two cats and then finally one of them was turned into the sheriff's office and then they ended up finding that out about her cat and it's like as if everything else wasn't just so terrible anyway her mom's on the tv saying this and then i was just like i couldn't i just can't deal with life lately I don't know. That really upset me. And I was like, so maybe I need to like set some boundaries with myself. I think that's a really good thing in general. Like same thing. Like I, I had to step away from like Facebook for at least a day just because yeah. I was getting so frustrated. Um, and yet I felt guilty when I wasn't checking it because I knew I needed to be more involved. And so like, I was like struggling with that, but I, I think um, the old expression, you can't help anybody else until you help yourself is an important thing to remember. Like if you're not mentally in a place where you can take care of your own things, you can't possibly try to help everyone else. So you got to stay there. And, and if you're not well rested, um, that's not good for you, you know? So if you're having a hard time sleeping because of things like that, yeah, I'd say cutting yourself off for an hour. I've actually heard that's good anyways. Um, I am totally guilty of the opposite direction. Like I, I I totally am on my phone until I'm like, I'm literally usually <laughs> playing the Disney uh, 
puzzle game where I suddenly just emoji blast or blitz or something like that. Uh, I play that until I'm like my hand is like falling down because I'm falling asleep while playing it. Um, cause that's like the last thing I do before I go to bed kind of thing. It's like, I'm going to knock this game out, which I guess is different. Cause that is a little more relaxing. You know, it used to be, I used to read before I'd go to sleep like a book. And, uh, I stopped doing that years ago. And, um, I, I have a hard time like focusing now when I read and, uh, yeah, so that's, I've gone to audiobooks, but even, um, the last couple audiobooks I've, i definitely like zone out for chapters you know like where i'm like oh boy i'm an hour what? into this and i don't remember what happened yeah like because i i usually put an audiobook on when i'm like doing something right like so like i do with podcasts podcasts i can go in and out and it's okay i don't usually care if i miss a few minutes of a podcast but you miss a chapter of a book and you have no clue what's going on you know um so mm-hmm. i i've i've even stopped doing that at the moment because i just can't i can't benefit from it but um, movies, on the other hand, I've been able, I've actually found a few movies this week that have pulled me in to the point where, like, I put my phone away, um, and that's always great. Uh, I also, uh, real, before I get into the movies, I started watching Gilmore Girls. Um, I'm four episodes into that. Have you ever watched that, Corey? No, I've never even been slightly interested. I, it's I instantly hooked. Uh, it is totally up my alley. Um, it's, 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 it's an hour-long show, and it's like CW, like before it was CW, I think it was WB, because it was like same oh, network as Dawson's Creek, if I remember correctly. And a big part of why I decided to watch it was uh, my senior editor for my yearbook next year, big fans, like her favorite show. And uh, um, we both were on one of our Zoom class uh, sessions during the end of the year. I was wearing my Central Perk t-shirt and she was wearing the Luke's Diner shirt. And I thought it was kind of funny. And she mentioned it being her favorite show. So I put it on my like, I'm going to I'm going to get to it. And then uh, we were distributing yearbooks last week and this week, and we were talking about the show a little bit. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to start it. And I I did. I I started it the other day and was instantly connected to the mother because she's addicted to coffee, Mm. which is kind of my thing. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board. And then uh, it's got a really solid cast. Um, It's it's pretty funny, but it's also you know there's drama and it's, but it's uh it's definitely a show I'm able right now to like throw on in the background and do stuff. So I like that. But so I've watched four episodes of that. Um, it's funny, though, a bunch of other people apparently have stumbled onto it like recently, too. Like I had, I messaged uh, a former student who's now five years out. It's, I would I guess we're we I've known her at longer outside of her being my student at this point. Um, so I don't know if it's like now she's just a friend or whatever. But um, I had messaged her and I, she was like, I asked if she'd watch any of the movies I recommended because like during quarantine, I was recommending movies to like everybody who would listen to me kind of thing. Like, you should watch this. You should watch this movie. And um, she's like, well, I've been watching Gilmore Girls. I'm like, oh, I just started that. And so now I'm in a group chat about Gilmore Girls, which is oh, gosh. kind of crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that I would have been here a week ago, but here I am. And um, I've been playing a lot of video games uh, because, again, I'm, I'm on vacation. Um, so I'm trying to, like, do stuff and, like, trying to justify all the purchases I've made, basically. Like, <laughs> if I bought, bought yeah. all these games, I should probably beat them. And so I've been, like, playing a couple of games. Awesome. But, um Movie wise, uh, I watched since last week. I've watched several movies. I watched uh, When Harry Met Sally um, for the first time as an adult. I saw it as a kid. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theater in 1989 with my mom because uh, I was a movie theater brat and um, well behaved one because I was raised properly when it comes to movies. Uh, I love that movie. I'm a big rom com person, anyways. It is a great rom com. I I wish I'd watched it sooner. Um, 
I watched, uh, so I, I think I might have mentioned uh, last week, because I think I discovered it the same day we recorded last week, was the Black Film Canon. It's an article written by um, two uh, reporters for Slate Magazine, or Slate Online Magazine, I'm not sure if it's both. But uh, the film canon is the 50 greatest films by black directors about generally black stories. And um, that's my way of uh, connecting. I, I am Film has taught me a lot, um, partly because you might be thinking, listener, that well, if you're watching a fictional film and that's what you're learning, that's not good. But film inspires me to research topics that I maybe otherwise wasn't aware of. And I am uh, very guilty of researching while watching movies, which sometimes spoils things for me. Um, but uh, Eve's Bayou is a film by Cassie Lemons, who did Harriet last year, which was unfortunately not great. But Eve's Bayou is amazing. Um, if you have HBO Max, it's available to watch there. And I highly, highly recommend that you check the movie out. Sam Jackson is the lead. And if you saw um, Harley Quinn or the Birds of Prey movie from earlier this year, uh, the actress who plays... Um, I'm going to forget her name is something Smollett. Um, she plays uh, black Canary in birds of prey. She is, this is her debut and she's a young actress in Eve's Bayou. Um, but an amazing first performance for her. It's such a good movie. It's very, it's so unique. Um, I, I was just so engrossed in that film. Um, then in the same process, I'm kind of working my way through the 50 films on the, uh, the list. I've only seen nine before, uh, I started watching the movies on the list, and so this is me working through them. Um, Cooley High from 1975. Uh, Twister, I watched for the first time, which people are always shocked that that's my first time. I, I had no interest in that movie in 1996, and um, yeah, I just have never cared uh, to watch it. I'm not a big fan of natural disaster movies. I am a fan of the cast, which is, uh, but I, I watched it similar to why I started Gilmore Girls, a different student. It's her favorite movie. I've had her for four years. She's uh, in film and yearbook. Um, I was like, I'm going to watch Twister because uh, it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, Twister is a lot of fun. Really good movie. I had a, a, I, used, I mean, really good movie is a strong statement. It's a really fun movie. It's a very entertaining movie. And there is some good stuff in it. Like, the, I love the use of color in the film. Have you seen it, Corey? I haven't seen it in a very long time. I need to rewatch it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, and, you know, Bill Bill Paxton is oh, love him. Um, so, so perfectly cast for that movie. Like, he's great in that role. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I watched another. I watched a documentary, Be Water, which is a ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentary about Bruce Lee. Um, mm. I don't know if you know this, Corey, but I was a huge no idea like, fanatic fan of Bruce Lee. Um, no. Literally, literally, I had a picture of him on my wall, like some people have of Jesus, um, because <laughs> I was such a fan. Like I, I martial arts were my thing um, from like sixth grade to I graduated high school. I loved martial arts. I was uh, I took Taekwondo, which is not what Bruce Lee knew, but I, I bought his book when I was a kid, The Tao Chi Kune Do, which is the martial art he kind of created from Kung Fu and what he kind of took away from distilled down. And a uh, big, big fan of Bruce Lee. And this documentary is really good, um, inspirational. I love the idea of being water, being adaptable. That is definitely how I've kind of lived my life, uh, trying to always be flexible and adjustable and um, changing my form to... Uh, not to fit my surroundings because I definitely don't feel like I do that, but I do think to um, I'm willing to change and, you know, I'm not set in my ways per se. Um, I watched the documentary for tonight. I watched a independent film called the watermelon woman, which is also on the black film canon list, uh, which is really interesting. It's on Amazon prime. Um, 
it's it's such a meta film about filmmaking and um but also the black experience and it's the uh the i think the wikipedia or the imdb gives credit that this is the first african-american lesbian director period um first film by an african-american lesbian director so it's also an lbgtq film which is appropriate for the month of june so lots of reasons for people to check that film out um now spike lee had a film come out today on netflix called the five bloods um that uh matt and i are going to be covering on the bloody awesome movie podcast next week uh but because i i'm a fan of spike lee but i've only seen like some of his biggest movies like maybe five or six of his biggest films and i'm i'm i actually similar to you i started the five bloods but i had to stop because it's two and a half hours and i had to go pick up kathy and now i'm recording this podcast so i didn't make it uh, i think i made it an hour and a half so i'm going to finish it tomorrow because i have to get up early tomorrow to take kathy to work and run around the lake um but because I'm trying to now, uh, I'm pivoting slightly from the Black Film Canon list, and I'm going to dive heavily into Spike Lee. Um, there's a lot of films. He's on, a few of his movies are on the list, of course. Um, he's one of the most influential Black filmmakers uh, to date. But um, I want to see more of his movies. So I'm watching, I watched Crooklyn this morning, uh, which is really, really good. I didn't realize that uh, one of the lead actors in Crooklyn is also one of the lead actors in The Five Bloods. Um, and, uh, I am very glad that I did. And the last thing I watched is not a movie, but it is on Letterboxd, which makes it a movie, I guess. Um, cause Letterboxd doesn't usually do not movies, but it's, uh, Dave Chappelle 846. Um, it is available to watch on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it is Dave Chappelle, the stand-up comedian, uh, actor, writer. Um, I don't think he's directed, but, um, doing, uh, the first stand-ups show since quarantine, um, and it's kind of interesting because that's the the video opens with them kind of showing how they set up because of the coronavirus, like the this outside instead of inside. Um, the seats are spaced six feet apart, um, and I think they're in pairs, so you can come with like a friend and sit together, but then you're alone. Um, they were checking temperatures at the door, or not? There's no door because it's at, it's outside, but they were checking at the gate. I don't know what to call it, um, but it's Chappelle. Ultimately, uh, it's. It's definitely not his funniest stand-up, but he's not trying to be. Um, it is a, I think it's one of the most important things you can watch right now. Um, that's uh, it's, his fingers are on the pulse of what's going on, and he gives. It's it's kind of like a a one man show more so than a stand-up special, but um, it's still Chappelle, so there's still levity in it. But it it is heavy. It is biting and it is powerful. Um, I highly recommend everyone watch it. It's 21 minutes free on YouTube. Just search Dave Chappelle 846. Um, it should pop right up. And, it, you know, it's it needs to be seen, I think. Uh, it's important. I've shared it on Facebook. Uh, so, you know, I, I will actually share it on uh, Instagram or at least share what I can. Instagram's weird about sharing YouTube stuff. But, um yeah, that's what I've been watching. I've watched a lot of stuff, like I said. Um, played a lot of video games. Uh, I am at a point, though, Corey, with Animal Crossing, where I, I think yeah. I might be at a uh, Animal Crossroads, where I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just logging on and going through the motions every day. It feels too much like a job. No, but no. I'm not, I'm not ready to quit the job, so I'm just like going in, like, I guess I'll go pick the fruit and sell the fruit and put the bells <laughs> in the ATM. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a lot of joy in it. I've, I've made my island look nice. And so like, that's part of the problem. Cause it's like, 
I don't really want to change you know, anything. You know what I wish would happen? I wish that Elijah Wood would come would to your island. That would be amazing. <laughs> and or try to the, pick your fruit or something. Apparently, Danny Treyu plays uh, Animal Crossing. <laughs> Um, Why is that even better? Because I can see Elijah Wood playing, but not. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I just it's a it's a very fun game, but it is definitely heavy on customization, and mm-hmm. I'm not always like creative in that way. Um, I'm more like, hey, let's look at something else someone else made, and I can criticize that, and it, good or bad, mind you. I'm not saying critical in the negative sense only, but. Um, I'm not always the one to craft the things. Even I've had a hard time. I, I've, I've listed all these movies I've watched. I've only written a review for uh, Eve's Bayou, and I haven't posted that yet. So, like, I have to write a review for Cooley High, Be Water, The Watermelon Woman, Crooklyn, um, and and The Five Bloods after I finish watching it. And I have yet to do any of those. I'm uh, just not, not in a space where writing feels like something I want to do. So, um I haven't, but I've podcasted a bit. Uh, so that said, um, this is a good spot to take a little break and we'll come back and we're going to talk about the amazing Jonathan documentary, uh, the Hulu special uh, it, it, right after this. And we're back. Uh, so the amazing Jonathan documentary came out in August of 2019 on Hulu. Um, the IMDb plot synopsis says that what begins is a documentary following the final tour of a dying magician slash comedian the amazing jonathan becomes an unexpected and increasingly bizarre journey as the filmmaker struggles to separate truth from illusion uh director uh which is super important in this film um if your documentaries have many forms but one option is for the filmmaker to inject themselves into the movie uh if you've ever seen like a morgan spurlock documentary or a um michael moore documentary those that's their preference that's kind of their default is they are in the documentary they are the host guiding us through a journey of some kind. Um, in this case, Benjamin Berman is our director, and he ends up in the documentary as well. Um, there's a lot of other celebrities. Uh, Weird Al shows up. Eric Andre shows up. Judy Gold. Penn Jillette has a, a, an interview here and there. They're all interviews, talking heads. Carrot Top is in there. Um, and uh, the movie uh, has a 52 Metascore and a 6.6 IMDb user score. Um, I picked this documentary, uh, for two reasons. One, I lived on Comedy Central when I was in high school. Like I watched that network almost religiously. It was like, that was my go-to channel. I love stand-up specials. I love South Park. So that was Comedy Central. Um, and Amazing Jonathan was one of the specials I saw. And I, I don't always like magicians. Um, I used to, as a kid, I loved magicians. I, I used to have those really crappy magic kits that you could get from like Walmart, you know what I mean? Like where they'd have like card tricks and none of them ever worked, but I would, I had them multiple times because I wanted to be able to do magic. Um, I was never committed to the act though. So I never got anywhere. But um, when I saw him, he grabbed me and I was really into it and I thought it was really funny. And so I've never forgotten him. I haven't really seen anything about him in years. And then I I can't find the episode, but I'm fairly confident Benjamin Berman was on an episode of Doug Loves Movies talking about this documentary, and it piqued my interest. It sounded really crazy, um, and I didn't know that Amazing Jonathan was dying, so I was like, wow, that's crazy. I need to watch that. Never got around to it. Finally, we did. So, with that, 
Corey, I want to hear your thoughts first because you, I don't think you have any connection to Amazing Jonathan. Am I right? No. You're right. You're I like, don't. You hadn't, you, hadn't, you hadn't seen this his stand-up or anything like that. So this is just me making you watch a documentary about a guy you've never heard of before. Well, I, you know, like they obviously show some of his old footage in the documentary yes. and I feel like I've seen some of it, but wasn't aware. Like my dad watched stand-up and stuff when I was growing up. Um... I don't ever remember hearing about Amazing Jonathan, like, by name, but I feel like I've seen him somewhere. I just, I don't know. But, yeah, I had no idea. I was like, what is this? I wonder, because you lived, not to get too, we talk about where we live, kind of, but, like, you lived in Vegas for a little bit, and I know he had a residency in Vegas for a long time. Like, he had one of the longest-running shows in Vegas. So maybe you just saw, like, a billboard. Um, I, that, I, I totally could have done that but i felt like it was like older like when they were showing sure. like the older footage of him that's what mm-hmm. like made me oh yeah i didn't mean exclusively oh yeah billboard. i'm saying maybe you also like why it feels like fresher in your mind kind of thing because like i i feel like time wise he would have still been doing it because i think he's diagnosed in 2014 i believe with the uh, oh yeah the illness and that's when he stops the residency i i feel like he said i lived there in 2009 so that would make sense. But, okay. you know, like, I remember <laughs> I was so poor when we lived in Las Vegas that I didn't get to really do much fun stuff. But I remember, like, Penn and Teller were really big. Um, but I don't, I don't really, like, I can still remember some of the shows and stuff being advertised. Like, uh, oh, my God, why am I forgetting his name? He was uh, there with uh, Lady Gaga. They had a residency. Um, oh. and I, I feel like I'm going to say the wrong person, Ugh. but I remember like that residency going on while I was there. Um, but I can't really remember him, but also it's like you, you can just go into the casinos and look around and it's cool. Um, so I had a lot of stimulation, so, you know. Maybe mm-hmm. possibly, but um, I I just told Bill yesterday I want to go back and you know go do some fun things and see Penn and Teller and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> just okay, let's talk about Vegas for a minute. No one has grass in their yards because it's very hot. Okay, so they have rocks. So I was oh. impressed seeing his, and it's just so ugly. Like I just couldn't wait. When we moved, I was so happy because I missed trees and I missed grass and I missed just like greenery. And people have their ACs, like their huge AC units on top of their roofs and all of this weird stuff. And it's just not very visually pleasing to me at all. Um, And I, he just has, he has a nice house and he has grass and he has real trees that aren't like, you know, palm trees yes yeah so i was i was like that's nice that's lush um but yeah i enjoyed it i found it very uh interesting i didn't know where it was gonna go and i kind of like that the director took it this route because i felt like it's a story it's just unbelievable well 
so it's really we've said this before but this movie in particular is hard to discuss without getting into spoilers because it is not what you would expect from a documentary about a person um and it is very meta as far as it is um ben ben berman is very candid about the filmmaking process in this movie which as a film teacher i found extremely compelling and something i really latched onto. Um, I told Big Tuna, who uh, had seen this, apparently. I didn't realize he had seen it until um, he – we follow each other on Letterboxd, so a lot of times I'll just get random texts from him like, you watch this or you never saw that or whatever. And um, uh, I said to him was I don't think I've ever been more on board, off board, and back on board again with a movie as I was with this. Like there were parts like early on I was like, oh, my God, I'm so into this. And then I was just like, okay, I feel like – I'm hating this. And then towards the end, I was like, okay, I'm back into this. I'll explain why, but I I have to talk spoilers for it um, because there's no way for me to express why I have a lot of thoughts on this film. Um, I think it's very good. I also think it doesn't do certain things far enough. Um, I think, I think Ben touches on some really interesting things that he doesn't dive into enough. And uh, I, I, with documentaries, that can be really bothersome because um, documentaries are about exploration of a topic, right? And this movie, uh, the topic gets forcefully shifted. Um, and I feel like there are opportunities that Ben doesn't dive into that is disappointing because I think the movie is really good and I think it could have been amazing. I think it could have been um, genre shaping or altering of what a documentary can do. Um, I also think uh, there is a part of the nature of the subject as far as if, if the movie's called The Amazing Jonathan, who is a comedian magician, there is a part that is embedded in that concept that the, the film plays with that I still feel uncertain about after watching. Um, there, are, there are things that I'm still doubting and questioning the validity of um, after watching it. And with the documentary, um, I don't think a documentary has to be true, right? Like that's, that's a key factor of like, um, we have varying degrees of films that make bold claims about political stances or religious points of view that are uh, invariably not possible to be objectively true, but subjectively believed. Right. And, um, that's okay. This is different. That's not what's happening here. It's because of the nature of the subject that he is a magician, a trade that by nature is about tricking and deceiving you. Um, that I, I've left the movie feeling a sense of uncertainty that is bothersome. It's lingering. It's also one of the things I like about it is that it's not, you know, I watch a lot of stuff. I've, I just listed all these things I watched this week. This movie is probably the lowest stakes film that I watched yet. It's one that's high on my thought process. Like because of what was happening, I was so captivated. I know my wife walked in and was giving me a look because towards them, like three quarters of the way into the film, I had my hands like together in front of my face and I was completely wrapped. Like my brain was trying to solve the puzzle that this movie becomes. And I was so like, just, in this film, I was a hundred percent pulled in and engaged. So for those things, I love it. Um, but I think there is 
again, some failures that Benjamin uh, maybe failure might be too strong, but for me, it feels like a failure. Um, and I, I will get into that. And also I pointed out earlier, I have a bad habit of researching films while I'm watching them. A few of the reveals in the film I knew because I couldn't help myself but start digging into things oh, early. No. And so, yeah, uh, I do. Th- I don't blame the film for that, nor does that affect my enjoyment of. But it did. It still makes me question several aspects of it. Um, that said, I think we need to get to spoilers so I can actually give some details to all these things I'm alluding to. So, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about The Amazing Jonathan documentary you've been warned spoilers ahead i so lost that yeah it's it's all good um so he's a magician right and the claim that the film ends up eventually directly asking the amazing jonathan is were you really diagnosed now um this movie does some really cool stuff <laughs> early with his career uh it, it gives us a little bit of a showcase um and the the big thing that the film I think calls out documentary filmmakers in general um, for being uh, I'm going to use a term that's not usually referred to for filmmakers but ambulance chasers are you familiar with that term with lawyers <laughs> yeah <laughs> so documentary filmmakers like this where the subject is this this comedian this famous person says I've been given a year to live and what we see in this film which is played for uh, twist is that not only is Benjamin Berman making a, f- a documentary about the amazing Jonathan with the amazing Jonathan's consent, but the amazing Jonathan gives consent to two other film crews. And we find out even technically a fourth, although the fourth seems like it was never got very far. Um, and so this brings up a moral question to Ben is like, is the amazing Jonathan wrong for agreeing to let all these different filmmakers make a movie about him or is it a sign of how kind of ambulance chaser these filmmakers are that they found this subject and they all went after it? Um, the best example of that is Parkland. Um, if you're familiar with the horrible events that happened at the Parkland High School in Florida, uh, I think now two two or three years, time flies, maybe three years ago, um, there's been several documentaries made about it. And w- in the one I saw at Tribeca, uh, which I believe is on Hulu now, um, it it really shows that. It shows all these filmmakers came down to Parkland, Florida to capture the events afterwards. Now, the thing is, I think there's a there's an importance to that. I think documenting what's happening is important. We're going to have God knows how many coronavirus lockdown documentaries we're going to have. But each one can be unique and different and can show a part of this process that we wouldn't have seen. There's going to be several Black Lives Matters documentaries coming from this year hopefully they'll do good and they'll benefit. I'm sure there's going to be a few that are going the opposite direction, but it is a, it's a question of ethics. Um, are, are we filming this guy because you admire him or are we filming him because what if he dies while you're making the movie? And that's a question that Ben has to grapple towards the end of the film. And I think that's very interesting. Um, he also points out that uh, Ben lost his mother when he was young. And death is something that for him, he is working through. So this film wasn't really about the amazing Jonathan. It is really about the filmmaker, which is as a film teacher, it's something that we adamantly talk about your voice. What are you saying? What are you working through? What are you dealing with? Steven Spielberg notoriously had daddy issues. Look at his movies. The father figure character is either absent or they do some questionable things. The best example to me 
is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where he literally gives up his family to travel with little flying aliens. Spoilers for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, um, which we did on this podcast. So if you've been a loyal listener, you've already heard that episode. So, um, you know, like filmmakers do that. And Ben realizes halfway through this film or three quarters of the way through this film, that that's what he was doing with the amazing Jonathan. He was working through his own stuff and it wasn't really about Jonathan as much as it was about death. And that's there. And I think that's where I feel like the film has some weaknesses. He gets into these really great moments with his father. There's this really great archival footage that he filmed as a kid where he, after his mother passed, he's interviewing his dad about it. And it's really heartbreaking. And his brother is just like blaring music and being obnoxious behind him. But it's like, it's it's like you've entered into this concept. Go with it, man. Dive into it. What is it? Like, explore it more. I feel like he, he shorts us on some of that content. And I feel like it comes in, like the runtime comes in right at an hour and 31 minutes. So I feel like if he went a little bit longer and right. like explored stuff, it wouldn't have been detrimental. And I feel like a lot of the movie is, it feels slight. I feel like a lot of stuff is cut short. Um, they explore Jonathan has a meth addiction, which really shocked me um, so much. Like I wasn't surprised that he did drugs. He did a lot of like, even some of the the clips they show, he does a lot of cocaine jokes on stage or like he's snorting with this giant straw and things vanish. It's a bit, but nonetheless, there's some, the manic energy he presented definitely screamed cocaine. Right. And then we learned at some point cocaine wasn't good enough and he went to speed and speed was not speed, but meth. And he smokes it. And there's a whole thing with that. And I don't think they dive into that enough. Um, I think the relationship between Jonathan and his wife is explored, but not thoroughly explored. But I think there's a lot of emotional stakes there that works. Uh, Overall, I think it's very good. I just think everything feels like he cuts it a little short. Um, Or maybe that's partly access when it's like Jonathan. But I feel like with the stuff with about himself that as the film comes on, he doesn't go far enough and that I want you to talk. And then I want to go back to my, one of my other issues that revolve around that. So go ahead. Well, I didn't know who his wife is. I, so I was just Mm. looking like when we first started (laughs) and it's guys, I feel like I'm just not, I'm not very worldly. I don't, I guess I don't know a lot of things, but um, just that she's like a transhumanist and, a biohacker and she has all these implants in her body and i don't yeah i don't i don't know um i just i can kind of agree but i feel like um with with a relationship i guess like there's where she's i don't want to say personality but she has maybe not wanting that to take over the documentary sure and again like her story yeah, and no, I mean, I, I think just being their story and like how Jonathan's, you know, affecting their relationship with his, with, well, like even she tells like how they met that he says he's on speed, but she, you know, then finds out later it's meth and she tells him like, I wouldn't have probably stayed with you if I'd known that. Um, like, that's pretty crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of, I, uh, I'm glad that they didn't like, show a whole lot of that i don't know that stuff's scary to me smoking meth like all of that stuff but meth is especially scary because i'm like you're just like putting household chemicals under your body 
Yeah, it no, costs somebody like three dollars to make that. Like, I don't know. Wait, what is his wife's name? Am I messing it up? Anastasia it... Sin. Oh, okay. Oh. I've been looking up the wrong thing. No, I thought it was because his last name uh, is Jonathan's name is Sezels, uh, I guess. Mm. But so those are his parents, I guess. Um, the Doreen and Douglas Sezels. Oh, I yeah. felt like his relationship with his dad is very strained. I felt like I don't know. I felt like his dad didn't. I don't know what word um, I'm looking for here. When you say his dad, do you mean uh, Ben's or John? Ben's, because yeah. he's on screen a few times and he's talking through some things mm -hmm. with him. But I, I don't want to say that he doesn't sound invested. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have a very strong opinion about it at all. Like <clears throat> that's where I want to come to my biggest complaint about this movie. I am still not convinced it's a real documentary. Um, the, the framing of the documentary is that Jonathan, uh, Ben is questioning whether or not Jonathan is playing a trick on him. And I, I kind of think that is, extremely plausible still um, i feel like it's a legitimate question it, it what do you mean like to ben or to us for both but that ben was even questioning him and i appreciated his straightforwardness every time that he talked to john amazing jonathan right. too much of it feels staged to me like okay. so much of uh, especially the ben the ben at home stuff mm. going back early it feels like, it's supposed to be this candid stuff that I don't think a documentary filmmaker would have been filming if your subject is Jonathan. Like, he's filming his parents. He films his roommate. He films himself at home. Someone is filming him at home, meaning his camera crew is just with him. It feels fake. And that I call into question. Now, I don't have a problem with it in some capacity. Like, if this is a ruse, if the entire movie is a big trick from Jonathan to, like, get us um is that bad i don't i don't think so um i can't i don't know of another documentary that does that i there are movies that are fake documentaries or pseudo documentaries or whatever um but we like blair witch did that to the world right they we all thought it was like found footage and we were you know flabbergasted when we found out they were actors you know um I wouldn't be mad if that was what happens because there's really nothing, nothing happens in this movie, right? We're given some information. Uh, it feels pretty crazy that it's like um, you're watching this movie and suddenly he finds out that he has a second film crew and they won't be on camera and whatnot. And that second movie is called always amazing. It has an IMDb page, but you cannot see it. You can't rent it. You can't what? get it on anything. I've looked. I was, cause I was like, I want to see this other documentary now. So is it a real documentary? It debuted somewhere, but did you see the festival that it debuted at? There were 22 people. They even make a joke about it. That's why I know that specific number. I've been to festivals. It kind of looks like a festival crowd, but it also kind of doesn't. It kind of looks like they put a bunch of people in. Um, the, ben plays with us with the, the editing in that moment because he shows a person in the audience do a Q&A. Then we see before that happened where he hired that audience member as an, an actor to put in the audience, a plant, if you will, which 
is a setup we're told earlier because Jonathan setting up a trick tells us you have to get a plant first. So there's a lot of structural things that the way the movie presents information that makes me question if it is a documentary at all. And I like that and I hate it at the same time. Because one, as of, you know, if someone watches this and doesn't think about it in that way, and this isn't a real documentary, I ask, is there anything in here that's like damaging? I don't think so. It's not like he's telling us, you know, uh, the world's going to end in 20, 2022 unless you buy all the tickets to Jonathan's concerts. Or there's no, you know what I mean? There's nothing like put here that's going to hurt anybody for knowing it. Or if, even if it's like, like if Jonathan is faking his illness, which is ass and he denies and he gets very upset. Um, and it's a very emotional end. And he looks frail, right? At the end of the movie, he looks like someone who's dying. He doesn't look like he's okay. But, but he's still but alive. He's still alive. Now, have doctors been wrong before? Yes. Tons of times. Um, but still. Still. Because even um, one of the things in the documentary that really got me was they showed this other comedian who, or I think he was a magician who died on stage. <sighs> And like yeah. they showed the clip, that was I was so shocked by that. Um, I thought that it would be terrifying to be in a crowd where something like that happened. Yes, agreed. Because you don't know. Um, and that I've seen, uh, I've not seen wrestlers do that, but I've seen videos on YouTube of wrestlers who have died in the ring. Oh. And people not knowing that they were dead, like like thinking they were faking it, like the other wrestlers, you know, because it's it's fake. They're just like, "Hey, get up! Are you okay?" Dead, like guys, dead. Um, and so like that that idea is crazy, and it does happen. And and him saying like he's afraid he might die on stage. I think there's again. I I think this documentary has a lot of good. I think it doesn't go into some of the subjects enough. And then there's this this part that's. It's like an itch I'll never be able to scratch, and it's going to drive me insane. I think in, in the end is like, was this real? What did did Jonathan really hire all these film or not hire, but let all these film crews happen, or were they all people he hired or asked to do him a favor? Because there's even the mystery friend at the party who pulls Ben aside and tells Ben like, "You need an inside man that we never hear from again." He does nothing for the rest of the movie. He's not. We don't get some big reveal. We don't find out that he knew something. It's just some dude telling Ben, like, hey, you need an inside man. You got to be careful with Jonathan, but nothing. Are those hints to the audience? Because I'm thinking, like, if this is a magic trick, the greatest, the end goal of this trick would be to convince us that this was real. But it never was, right? That would be the illusion. Is to make us think this really happened, but it didn't. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologies for sneezing on my, but... So, like, that's where my brain is, is, like, I'm trying to think, is this a magic trick? Because, um, again, the fact that our subject, it, it, the same thing that happens to Ben in the movie is happening to me as the audience. Is this real or is it a trick? And that's actually, if you look at Jonathan's tricks, a lot of times they don't go as planned, and yet they are exactly as planned, right? They look like he's messed them up, but that's what the punchline was. That is the joke is he gets you to think he screwed up, but in reality, that's what he was going for. Um, and so being a study, a student of comedy, so I, I 
have studied stand-up for a long time is something I consider trying to do myself. Um, I, I feel like I see strings that are being pulled, but I'm also uncertain if they really are or if this is just what's happening, if this is genuine. And that leaves me unsettled, which both makes me love and hate this documentary in a weird kind of combination of like abusive relationship type you know resentment like there's something about this i can't shake but damn it you're evil man my nose just got like instantly stuffy from that scene um but that those are my thoughts Gordy. did i make you think anything were you already on the same page with any of that i wasn't that far into it i (laughs) watch a lot of things at face value um like i wasn't thinking that i felt like all of this information that he was giving us is because he didn't know where he was going with his documentary he just ended up having this opportunity and he right was just filming everything he could and then he would figure it out later actually what you just said is one more thing that i want uh because that's another area that i don't think he goes far enough with because i almost thought this was going to become a movie about making the documentary and i think that would have been a really cool like instructional video and not like a full out like how to video but like okay so let's watch him figure out the structure for this movie and we don't really get obviously we see this movie but we don't get to see him coming up with this design and i i feel like he could have been a little more candid with that process especially there's a good middle section of the movie where jonathan's not in it you know it's him trying to call jonathan and uh Again, if he had done that, it would feel more like a real documentary to me and not potentially a pseudo fake out documentary that we get. I and I do think that going back a little bit, I do think it was weird that he was willing to smoke meth with the amazing Jonathan just to be able to get that footage. Yeah. Never. <laughs> never um i don't know i thought that that was i was just like what really and then they don't even really put the footage there you know what i mean there wasn't like a it's not like we see this big hangout sesh or something i don't know yeah there's a lot of random things um which isn't necessarily bad but it is like it's a little erratic at times um even like the talking head interviews he like introduces them like it's going to be a regular part of the documentary then they kind of vanish for a while and they come back um after he thinks he's being screwed with and like we hear them we hear him like telling the talking head interviews about jonathan hiring this other film crew and stuff um weird al being kind of like okay that's kind of weird um and like they're they're not bad interviews but they're also like they feel again off a little like the whole movie feels like it's slightly off like it's not quite it's half-baked i guess is the expression to use here um but i still enjoyed it and i i do i think jonathan is an interesting subject um which is why i would totally watch that other documentary if i can find it and uh the one who really seemed like a plant was the juggling chainsaw guy because he was (laughs) like way too like like silly and then he was real quick to tell us what his real day job was and um that felt like 
a real fake, you know? Um, I'm looking at the amazing, the always amazing is the name of the other documentary. And they have interviews with David Copperfield, uh, which is in the trailer. Um, they still have Penn Gillette, but they don't have any of the other people that Ben got. So I don't know. I'd like to see this one. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's currently available. There's, uh, there's only five user reviews on IMDb, um, which was, could be just people involved with the movie kind of thing, you know? Yeah, or five of those 22 people from... <laughs> right, right. But there's no meta score, so, like, critics haven't seen this movie, like, consistently. Um, so I, I question like, if it even exists. I don't even see it, like, used on a certain, like, bidding website that's, you know, on eBay. I'll just say it. Yeah, well, it definitely didn't get a disc release. I wouldn't oh, no? it. No, a lot of docs don't, um, because docs are, docs are festival heavy. Um, like that's where most documentaries are going to play. Um, and then if they're not super successful, it's you got to think like with physical media, you got to pay for the the printing, the processing, the whole thing, um, and packaging and distribution. But with digital, like you can ha- you'll have the digital file. You can do whatever you want. Like even at the very least, this filmmaker. Um, I, I did mention this to Big Tuna and Big Tuna question like a legal side. Um, I don't I don't think the only legal stuff that's ever mentioned in the film is uh, Jonathan basically tells Ben that he has to put his out after this one because this one was supposed to be um, produced by the guys who made uh, Searching for Sugar Man and Man on Wire, um, which I figured out early that the movie I was watching was produced by that guy because again i do research and i was like oh well that's weird so how's that gonna play um which also makes me call it a question because we witnessed ben pitch the idea for the documentary we're watching to the big producer from those two movies and then we are just like oh well he ended up doing it i theorize that he was always doing it and that he financed the magic trick of a movie that we watched that's what i started thinking early when i was watching the film so i kind of got into my own head without the movie fully setting it up that it might not be real and i was waiting for the reveal to be that it wasn't real and they don't do that and so that could all be in my own brain constructing things uh conspiracy conspiracy theory style um, which is not what I usually do, but with this type of thing, especially because it's an unreliable narrator, right? Like that's what a magician is. You can't trust their story because they are crafting a, an illusion. They're crafting a story. I don't know if you've seen the prestige, but man, does that hit hard with this? Um, like it yeah. made me think so much of that. Like, just like, how do I know I'm not just being duped? How do I know that I'm looking to the left, but I really should be looking to the right or vice versa, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't trust magicians, I guess, is the lesson I'm learning. <laughs> like, and we shouldn't, to be fair, yeah. right? So, sorry, magicians, uh, but Chris Angel, I don't believe that you have quarters underneath your skin. So, no. Nope. Um, and that said, uh, overall, I would put this documentary as a, I'm going to say not quite golden. Um, I, I want to go decent watch because I think it's half-baked, but I think it's such an interesting case of a documentary like what it's doing it's so unique it's so different um it's got tons of flaws i think but it's such a compelling watch regardless and if it is a trick holy crap wow impressive it and if it's not a trick still pretty crazy like it's a crazy story and 
I hope Jonathan, uh, that you are somehow able to like, not just live for a lot longer, but get healthy. Cause you definitely look, you're like, you're not healthy at the end of the movie when he's at his mom's uh, birthday party. Um, when he's like, he's in the, the electric cart, he looks very thin. Um, I don't know if you watched yeah, him God. eat, but like he had to use both hands to like bring the fork to his mouth and stuff. Like, oh. um, it was very sad to me. And so I, I, I don't want him to die, but I also like quality of life is important too. Right. Like you don't want, I don't, I think one of my biggest fears is, is being alive, but like incapable of doing anything for myself, you know, and being yes. a burden to people. So, um, not that other people shouldn't like let t- people take care of them. But for me, that's so not my comfort zone. So like, that's, I don't want to be in that position. Mm-hmm. I like doing what I want when I want also. So, right. You know, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a decent watch also, but I did, I was interested the whole time. Yeah, I, I actually went not quite golden, even though I think the movie should be a decent watch. I was so captivated that I bumped it up because that's, you know, how the rating system works. It's not a, it's not a foolproof thing. It's kind of a, a gut feeling. So mm-hmm. um, that said, that's what we thought of the amazing Jonathan documentary. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. If you like what we're doing here at Movie Club, we ask that you rate and review the podcast. It helps us get new listeners. And boy, do we need them. Um, people need stuff to do now, so it helps. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another documentary. Um, and an important one. One that is super relevant to the time. And in fact, is on the Black Film Canon list that I was talking about <laughs> earlier. Um, it is 13th. Uh, okay. Directed by Ava DuVernay. Um it is a Netflix original. Uh, you might know Ava from the film Selma, which I think we watched for this podcast last last year, I think. I'm so bad with our time. Yeah, well, we've watched a lot of movies over the last five years that we've been doing this no! podcast. No! Five years? It's, I think, uh, officially 2016 is when we started. So this is year five um, that well, we're I'm- into. glad that we're marking off another thing from the Black Cannon film list for you, but also that I... I'm getting, you know, yes. to watch one too, because I definitely need to. I've actually seen this already. but Have you? Oh, yeah, yes, we were I, talking about it. You suggested it. Yeah, I'm a big fan, though, and I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Um, it, it uh, mainly, I'm looking forward to rewatching it to give me, hopefully, some statistics that I can use when I'm having online debates with people. Um, because, I'm just going to uh, start saying, well, because. Well, it is a, a very powerful documentary. Uh, has an 8.2 IMDb user score, 83 Metacritic. Uh, again, it's directed by Ava DuVernay. It's written by her and Spencer Averick. Um, there's a lot of people in this movie. Uh, it is not centered on a person. It is not studying an individual. But it is studying an in-depth look at the prison system in the United States. And it reveals that the nation's his- history of racial inequality, or as we are calling properly, systemic racism in our country. So... Uh, yeah, it's a thing. This documentary, I think, to me, proves it. I'm sure other people will just deny what's uh, presented as evidence, um, as, you know, people doing what they do. But that's it for this episode. We'll be back next week with our review of 13th. Uh, until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.